Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is officially September. September 7th as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon. Football begins tomorrow night. We've got Eurobasket going on. Luka Doncic, 47 points. And a win for Slovenia over France. Literally just finished up. WNBA Finals in full swing. Almost, I shouldn't say in full swing. We still have to determine who the other team is, but the Las Vegas Aces advancing after beating the Storm. Happy retirement to Sue Bird. What a legend, 41-year-old legend of Seattle. All-time assist leader in the WNBA. We will miss her. Lots of other things going on. We're going to get into the Donovan Mitchell trade to Cleveland. We're going to hit a bunch of other news lines like Patrick Beverly getting an assist from Russell Westbrook already. <gasps> All that and more on Keep It in 94. Brought to you by, of course, the basketballnews.com podcast network, Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Here to give you another hour or so of blabbering. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. What's up, buddy? I thought we were going to be breaking down CM Punk burying the entire AEW locker room. But that's I guess the not. other podcast. That's the, that's the other podcast. That's the podcast from the, the, that's the podcast that that me and Marty and you used to do with the old network back in the day. Uh, we're at a little different place in life now. Mm. I've got Even a friend though, of mine that keeps trying to drag me into it. Like we got to start the podcast back up. Like, I bet. Yeah. I bet. What wise man? The wise man. Yes, exactly. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yep. 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 But, uh, yeah, we're here to talk hoops instead of uh, backstage turmoil in AEW, which I'm sure we'll get into after this is recorded. The language on this podcast is not salty enough to allow for what Punk said after the uh, pay-per-view the other night. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no. Oh, but, man, Brian, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I, uh, I, I actually went to a concert on a Tuesday night, which luckily didn't keep me out too late, but... I've been in concert mode lately. I was at this little uh, little club with like a hundred people watching a small band. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. How was the, how was the show? It was really good, you know. And you know, it's oh, you know, it's a small club when like even before you leave, like the band like walks by you so they could go like change and they like take a couple minutes to talk to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, no doubt, no doubt. But, man, I, I've got a lot to talk about. Um, we may as well jump right in. The, the move that happened literally the day after we recorded, man. Of course. I mean, whew, we had just got done talking about how dumb it would be 
for the Knicks to try and get Donovan Mitchell at the expense of R.J. Barrett, a up-and-coming star in the Big Apple that is you know, gradually improving year by year. And I'm like, why would they trade for Donovan Mitchell? Blah, 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 blah. And you chipped in and you're like, at least for the Cavs, it would make sense because they have a bunch of guys behind them that could cover for them on defense. And lo and behold, what happens? <laughs> what happens the next day? Well, they made the deal. They made it, it happen. I was shocked as much as anybody because I thought it could be a good fit, but I just wasn't sure if the Cavs were going to be aggressive enough to go after him. And lo and behold, Kobe Altman and the Jazz were working in stealth mode and they got a deal done. It wasn't in stealth mode from what I was told. I was told as soon as Barrett signed that extension, that's when things started picking up. So... Essentially, it came together in 24 hours. If you want to be more specific, probably more like 36 hours. But it was just something that they felt they couldn't turn down. And I mean the Cavs. Um, it, it's an, an opportunity to add a proven playoff performer. You've seen him on multiple stages. He's a three-time All-Star. He literally just turned 26 today, the day that we are recording this podcast. Like I said, Wednesday, September 7th. It's his birthday. It's also Kevin Love's birthday, by the way. But Donovan Mitchell added to this backcourt with the Cavs. It's giving you somebody who is a reliable ball handler, an improved playmaker, and somebody who's not afraid to take shots. Now, that sounds like somebody familiar. It sounds like Colin Sexton. I'm thinking that the front office saw this opportunity, saw that they didn't have to give up any of their quote-unquote core three, and then jumped onto it. And I'm still not as head over heels about this deal as a lot of people here are in Cleveland because they lost their small forward. They lost a guy who's been basically, he was the first guy that was picked after LeBron left. That's what's crazy. Colin Sexton was the first rookie after those championship years and those battles against the Warriors. He was the first one, the first new guy picked. So there was a lot of pressure on him, and we're going to get into that more detailed, I think, um, when I do my farewell or whatever. But they gave up those two, and then you give up Ochayek Baji, who's a lottery pick, in addition to three unprotected first-rounders in, in the future and a couple of pick swaps. You're like, oh, that was a steal for the Cavs. Was it? Well, I think it was a steal. Well, here's the thing. All told, it was four first-round picks, basically. Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing and the swaps, which is a lot. I mean, that is a hefty price to pay. And we've seen Huge. that price tag has gone way up this offseason, especially when it comes to picks. And that was something that the Jazz really wanted. The way that I can sit here and justify it is saying... How good are those picks going to be? And that's the big question. It's a huge question mark because what it comes down to is keeping the core together and do you keep Donovan Mitchell? Because, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, you know, three years from now, much less six years from now. If everything goes great and from everything we've understood, he was incredibly excited about this opportunity to go to the Cavs. If everything works great, they resign him. And if the team plays well, obviously they keep everybody together. If it's not working out or if he wants to change scenery in a couple of years, theoretically, you could trade him and you would get some of those picks back. 
It's hysterical to me, though, that there's already these narratives about her that he's going to be unhappy. I mean, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I mean, what other kind of team would you want to join that's quite literally on the cusp? Well, the narrative was, oh, he's a guy from New York and the Knicks have been linked to him the most. Oh, no, I'm going to be on a team with three future All-Stars. Right. Two All-Stars already. Oh, no, my God, the horror. And how many people immediately came out going, oh, Donovan is not going to be happy about that. He's going to a small market and he's going to Cleveland. That's hysterical, dude. That is hysterical. And then what was the immediate thing we found out from Donovan? Donovan was excited. He was on the golf course and he started running around in circles. He was so excited. Yeah, that was that was according to um, Brian Winhurst on his podcast. But I mean, it, it just goes back to to one of my pet peeves about that, dude. If you're going to a good team, you're going to be happy. Shut the hell up. A good like, team with good young stars too. Yeah, it's not like it's yeah. an older team or anything like that. I mean, you are a part it's of one a of the young youngest nucleus. teams in the league. Yes, absolutely, and they got plenty of room to grow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to let you ask me the questions here because I did a quick little, you know, instant reaction uh, on Thursday when he, the deal went down. Uh, the, the hilarious thing is that I had a tea time that morning <laughs> and I got home at three 30. The deal was reported by Woj at four. So, you know, basketball gods were watching me on that one because they wanted me to put out this reaction. But I, I you ask me the questions here with Donovan Mitchell and his fit in Cleveland. And then I'm going to get to the Colin stuff because I do feel very strongly about, the Colin stuff. Okay. So let's start off like this. Now you've got Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. How do you think that will work? And who do you think is going to be the primary ball handler? So primary ball handler is still going to be Darius Garland. Here's the thing. Okay. So lots of people that are close to the organization that I've talked to, honestly, we're like, dude, Darius was just out of gas at the end of the year. <laughs> this dude was having like 38, 39% usage. And he was, battling and ailing back pretty much all of the second half of the season. Um, the irony is because he was kind of carrying that team offensively just as the, you know, the maestro. And, uh, you know, what Donovan Mitchell allows them to do is you, you have two things. So you're going to be able to take some of that load off of Darius Garland. So is it going to be quite a 50-50 split? No. Is it going to be 65-35? Maybe even, you know, 70-30? Uh, in terms of the ball handling load, yes. Um, usages are, you know, going to be different. Obviously, like Donovan Mitchell probably not going to have the ball in his hands as much as he did in Utah. Think about that, how much they relied on him offensively. He was almost the Darius Garland of that team, you know, just speaking in terms of of the load and in terms of the responsibility. Now they're going to be able to kind of work off of one another. Donovan, as we know, again, has become such a better playmaker off the dribble um, he's somebody who is not afraid to catch shoot. He's not afraid to use his gravity from the outside to pump fake and go inside, you know? And then you think about both for Donovan and for Darius, they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in there. And you know Mobley's going to be mixing it up out on the perimeter, but he's also going to be on the block sometimes. Maybe you're going to throw him in the dunker spot. You have Jared Allen there to clean up the mess or to be there for the high handoff. It should work. It should work fine. And the irony is it's going to work just like it did with Colin Sexton before he got hurt um, because he only played 11 games with his team healthy. But the thing is, like, the, the, the main point is to take the load off of Darius. 
And that was a huge point of emphasis that, that I heard and what Kobe Altman and Mike Gansey were saying at the end of the season was the, this guy just ran out of gas. Like, and, and, and you could see it. You could see it. I mean, the injuries took a toll, obviously, but there was just nobody else that could really take a possession or two off of Darius and run an offense. And they want to get Darius Garland off the ball, too. Darius, he's a hell of a catch shooter. He's somebody who also, if he catches the ball on a cut, is going to be able to find somebody for an alley-oop, one of the Twin Towers, or Tower City, as they call them here in Cleveland. So that part's going to work tremendously. Now, I'm wondering to see how the lion's share works right out you know, of the gate. It's obviously going to take some time for them to get their bearings together. But if this works, you're looking at Donovan Mitchell for a minimum of three years coming up. Darius Garland's new contract's kicking in. You're going to have Jared Allen, who's obviously in the middle of that five-year, $100 million deal. You can't sign Evan Mobley to a, des- to a rookie extension max, but you can still get him to sign to a hefty deal when that time comes. So this is what they're banking on. They're banking on this core four. Similar to what it was with Colin. Colin, I just think they got a little scared of. You get the injury. You don't know how he's going to come back. I know that they, there was mutual, you know, want to get back together. But I feel like they looked at this and they said, we have a chance to get an all-star, someone who's, you know, been to the playoffs three times, has been on that stage, and they pounced. When it comes to Colin, and obviously there was a difference in how much money he wanted to get paid this coming year between himself and the organization – and it looked like it was headed towards him playing on a qualifying offer. Do you think there was any chance the two sides could have worked out a deal before the season? And if not, do you think that he was not going to be a part of this team uh, by the end of this season if he hadn't been a part of this trade? If he wasn't a part of the trade, I still think he would have taken the qualifying offer. The problem is, I think, is Cleveland did not want to lose him for nothing. And, and that's the right business move. I get it. I'm ecstatic that Colin got paid. I'll I'll just be honest right up front here, man. I am a little biased towards Colin Sexton. I like Colin a lot. Um, It feels like, you know, when he got drafted, I was, you know, in my second or third year really covering a team. So I still had my bumps and bruises as a reporter. And, uh, you know, kind of watching as he grew, I grew in a way almost. Um, you know, we developed a really good relationship. Uh, I was the only person to go cover him at the rising stars game in Chicago when he got renamed as a replacement, um, kind of worked out that way, but there was nobody locally there. Um, and I think he appreciated that, uh, as time's gone on, you know, we've been able to kind of talk crap a little bit. He's a huge, huge Bama fan. I'm obviously an Ohio state fan. Um, you know, we've had some banter on that end before. Um, on the court, I mean, you're not going to find anybody who works harder. You're not going to find anybody who is more dedicated to the craft than Colin is. Um, we all know that, you know, he's somebody who will come into the gym at 3 a.m. after a road trip and on the West Coast to go and get shots up. He's he's insane. Um, and that's what Utah is going to get is you're not going to get anybody who's you know, more of a, a gym rat, more of a, you know, a dedicated 
type of person to this. He's a great guy too, by the way. Like I, I would love to dispel all the crap that's gone around uh, just because he's got some tunnel vision on the floor that he's this selfish type of player. He's not selfish. He is team first. He's somebody that has the desire to be great, probably more than anybody. Um, is he, you know, the talent that everybody in the league that's on an all-star level, you know, has probably not at the moment. He can absolutely get there just by his work ethic. But I, I hate seeing, you know, the rap that the guy gets. He's always been professional. What other people, what other player would you see after getting hurt for the entire season on the sideline, supporting his guys in a contract year, seeing that success, you know, that had to kill him inside. He was, down in Georgia in a wheelchair dribbling basketballs just doing drills while he couldn't freaking walk like I I, I wanted to send out a, a tweet to like you know say thanks and good luck to Colin um I, I wanted to to do that but I just realized like you can't do that in a thread or whatever like that so I you know I just kind of wanted to wish him good luck on here because he's a good man he's, he's a good guy he's gonna absolutely thrive. Um, with Utah, you know, they're getting back somebody who they're they're going to really, really love him uh, in the city just by his his attitude and by his leadership style. And, uh, you know, there's there's obviously, you know, things to work on on the floor. But I think this is more than anything. It was just the Cavs not wanting to lose him for nothing and an opportunity they couldn't pass up to go and get somebody who's, you know, unfortunately for Collins case has been to the playoffs three times and you know, has a little bit more experience and uh, yeah, he's a bigger name. Donovan Mitchell's a bigger name, but he's a hell of a talent too. So I think that uh, that pretty much sums up my feelings on the situation. Uh, if you have any other questions too. Well, I've got a few that. more. I got a few yeah. more for you. So what's the starting lineup now for the Cavs and what do you think is going to be their closing five? Whew. See, now that's a good question, Brian, because that's all as I, do, I mentioned, man. as I mentioned uh, on the, uh, the first the first trade analysis there they lost their starting three and Larry Markkinen by the way crushing it over with Finland right now in Eurobasket Larry Markkinen was a huge part of that big ball do the Cavs want to stick with that big ball strategy or do they want to go more towards traditional they also have a Karis Levert thing to figure out they just traded for him last year is he going to play the three? Is Isaac Okoro going to get his spot back at the three? Is Lamar Stevens JB's favorite player? <laughs> in in my eyes, the way that he sticks him into huge situations, is he going to see some time at the three? Are you going to see Dean Wade there, who's had plenty of spot starts? He was the spot starter for Lowry last year. Or, if they want to stick with this different type of feel... Do you put Evan Mobley at the three and start Kevin Love? Who's also aging and has an expiring contract, and we'll get to that. But there are a lot of options. None of them are, like, amazing, though. Like, amazing options for this and the fit. You have literally, like, four different options at the start of the three. The closing lineup, in my eyes, though, is definitely going to be Mobley and probably Kevin in there. But they believe a lot in Isaac Okoro, and they should. He's so young. He's 
improved at the catch. If he can just knock down just a little bit more just to gain a little respect out there on the perimeter, as I told the guys on Points in the Paint about a month ago when I was on their podcast, then that's really going to create some issues. Because the spacing definitely could use some work at the moment. Same with Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's going to need to knock those down too. You're probably your most reliable three-point shooter out of those four options I just listed, with the exception of Karis Alert, even though Karis didn't shoot particularly well last year, is Dean Wade. So they're going to figure that out. Um, from what I, I understand, from what I understand, they don't yeah. have anything set in stone. They're going to let training camp kind of determine who it's going to be. But I, I also I have very strong feelings on this too, just as it regards to the rest of the East as well. I get the sense that Okoro could still start and Levert would come off the bench. But like yeah. you said, we'll see how it plays out. Now, here's one other question. What is the future of Karis Levert with the Cavaliers? Because right now he has he's in the final year of his deal worth almost $19 million. I don't know what his value is around the league. And I don't know what his fit is going to be with his team. I mean, he essentially just goes into that six-man role as you were talking about. It's not. It's it. It's probably not ideal for him. He's probably going to want a little more, probably more of a role, even though that's literally what he got when he <laughs> came to Cleveland last year in that trade. Um, but you're right. I mean, contract. You got to figure that out. You got to figure out. You know, is there anybody who's interested in this guy? Um, because now you got to think of Donovan and keeping him happy. Karis is on that $19 million, you know, expiring. Um, excuse me, by the way, I had to take a drink of water there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's a good question. I mean, it's a good problem to have. I mean, the guard room for the Cavs is great. Their forward room, not so much. You know, maybe you get Karras to play up a position. But we know, I mean, if you have Garland, Mitchell, and Karras in there at the same time, somebody's going to have to sacrifice in that lineup, right? So, I don't know. I think it's a TBD. I think if, if they were talking to the Jazz, getting getting Bojan Bogdanovich in that deal would have been great. But uh, obviously that didn't happen, so I'm guessing that's not going to happen. You know, you, there's probably some wings out there. But the problem is get, getting wings is not easy. Getting those 3 and D wings, those low usage ring wings too, is not easy. So, you know, Cavs, if I can be frank, the Cavs have basically the same stature of a lineup as they did last year, except for, for the small forward position. They still have two small guards we're going to be covered by two giant rim protectors slash switch defenders, whatever you want to call them. It's the same base. So I don't know why, like, all of a sudden, the two small guard lineup is going to be, like, as good as ever. Like, But I will say, like, having Donovan Mitchell in there, you do you up your athleticism, you up your, your trust... Um, in a ball handler down the stretch. Defensively, you're probably in the same boat. You got to find guys you're going to cover for for Darius and Donovan when they get either blown by. Yeah, that, that is if they get blown by. But if they do get blown by, you're going to need 
a plan B and a plan C. Plan C is obviously always Tower City. They're the ones who reject the ball. Um, you know, Evan Mobley on the weak side when Jarrett's forcing, uh, you know, a shot alter or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But uh, it's essentially the same, you know, stature of team. That's why I, you know, kind of moving away from this a little bit. Everyone gets excited with the new move, right? Oh, man, you know, scary hours. It's going to be amazing. Oh, dude, the, the, you know, the Hawks, they just vaulted themselves into the top five. Oh, dude, the Cavs, they just vaulted themselves into the top five. You don't really know until it's all together. On paper, that is the scariest, most... What's the word I'm looking for? It's It, it puts more expectation on you on externally. And uh, all when, the Cavs you have talked about... you add a superstar... There's yes. always going to be more expectations. And now, until we see it play out, everybody just looks at the potential because we already know you've got three young stars on that team, especially when it comes to you know, Mobley and what he could become. I mean, some people think that he could be basically the next coming of Tim Duncan if everything works right. And, you know, you already had three guys, and now you add Donovan Mitchell. And say what you will about him defensively, but we all know about his skill on the other end of the court. And he's already had big moments in the playoffs as well. He has. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like there's st- the East is as not like it is as low as as it's been in quite some time, man. I mean, that's why I thought, you know, the Knicks going after Donovan wouldn't have made much sense because they didn't have the personnel for it, right? Originally, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think that Cleveland going after Donovan Mitchell made much sense just because of what it would take. Um, You're still going to have Milwaukee in that driver's seat. You're going to have Brooklyn there, now that we know KD and Kyrie are going to be there. At least we assume. Celtics. <laughs> you still have the Celtics. Them. Even though they lost Gallinari for the season. Yep. They, they, they'll figure that out. That Gall, Gallo was a depth piece, essentially. Yes, and that they were not expecting him to play 82 games. Right, right. But, you know, you continue to go down the list. I, I think I am you know mentioned Philly there. You know, Philly is, I think, having a great offseason, um, even though they refused to play Paul Reed and Charles Bassley because they just went out and got Montrez Harrell. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, Philly's there. I mean, you can argue... Uh, Atlanta is there. Chicago. We're not even mentioned Chicago, who was pretty much the favorite last year and was running rampant in the first couple months of the season last year. Like Miami, Toronto. It's a loaded conference this year, man. So I feel like, you know, Kobe also saw those franchises making moves. So he felt he, he needed to make a move. Um, but this is the thing, man, on paper, on paper, don't mean a damn. And, uh, that's the one thing I feel, uh, JB is going to have to address because now they're, you know, JB, Kobe, Gansey, they're not going to be able to use the, the, um, we're growing thing this year. Nope. Not anymore. Because they, I don't want to say they took a shortcut, but they have accelerated their timeline. Absolutely. With a move such as this. And uh, it's interesting to see how young teams respond to that. 
So that that's where I'll leave it. And uh, if you ask me on paper, Cavs five or six seed. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's go from the other side of things. And I'll ask you a question from Utah's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because remember what the timeline was, is that the Knicks had put a deadline of last Monday on uh, a trade for Donovan Mitchell. And the reported deal was RJ, was it OB Toppin, uh, two future picks that were going to be earlier. Not that they're not as far as the Cavs picks. And there was a third first round pick, but it was top five protected. And you had the pick swaps. And that is the trade that Utah said no. And so the Knicks said, fine, we're going to extend RJ. A deal still could have been done, but we knew it was going to be trickier because of the poison pill provision in his contract. But something still could have been done. But, it's, but you know, from all intents and purposes, Utah just said, you know, they were not too thrilled about the way that went down. The next morning, Kobe Altman called uh, Utah and said, hey, I know we talked last week. Let's talk again. And from that they were you know spent the next day day and a half and they were able to work out the deal you look at what the Cavs offered and what you know what they gave up for them and you look at what the Knicks were offering if you were Utah which deal would you have done I still would have taken the RJ deal I agree with you I I would have taken the RJ deal and it kind of is a little weird to me. Maybe there's, you know, the picks difference was was what was the holdup. Well, here's the thing that I would look at from that standpoint, too, especially because the picks are earlier. And Utah wanted picks. Sounds like they wanted picks a little bit further out. Plus, they wanted everything to be unprotected. Um, but when I look at it and I look at it, we talked about this fit of Donovan Mitchell with New York. OK, and of course, I think he's. He's going to help them, but I think it's going to take some time, I, you know, for that. And I and I still thought they're going to leave them. Well, I mean, no, no. If they had traded Donovan to the Knicks, oh, if they had traded, okay, yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, I still looked at them as seeing, you know, they were not a complete team, and especially with how loaded the East is, maybe they would have been on the outside looking in. Still, I don't know. So I look at those Knicks picks a lot more valuable than I look at the Cavs picks because the Cavs already had the three young building blocks. And now you add Donovan to that. I do not. And like, we don't know what those picks are going to be worth in the future, but I have a stronger feeling that the Knicks picks are going to be more valuable. They're going to, you know, uh, than the Cavs. You know, we don't know about that either, but I'd rather roll the dice on that. And plus, you know, you still get RJ and a, and a good contract, which we talked about, you know, for about 20 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is curious a little bit. I will. It say. is. So, um, I mean, that's, that's interesting. But that, I mean, that's the direction they, they decided to go though. Yeah, no. And I mean, I do hate that they're disparaging the, the package they got back because it was a great package. Oh, absolutely. Like, tell me the last time, you know, you get a, 23 point per game score you get a rookie you know lottery pick that we don't know about yet and you get a proven you know at least a proven rotation player if not starter and you get three picks and you get two pick swaps don't disparage that package that's a good ass return it is when it comes to Colin the thing that that threw me off a little bit 
was I didn't think the Jazz wanted long-term money. And obviously, they were fine with it if it was the right amount of money for the right player. And they had to be a young player. But that's the same thing with RJ. Like, originally, I did not think they wanted RJ Barrett because he was, you know, up for an extension. And I was like, ah, they don't want to commit to that kind of money long-term. Well, apparently, they were ready to do it. You know, they, they, yeah. were, they were willing to do it with RJ. They were willing to do it, obviously, with Colin. So, I mean, I know some people have said, well, now they can just flip Colin. I don't think they want to do that. Why would Remember? you flip? Why would you? Here's the thing. Like, why would you flip a 23-year-old who just signed up for a four-year contract and basically is going to be one of your first stepping stones? You know, right. your, first, your first pillar pieces, so to speak. Because Colin was a pillar piece of the Cavs. Don't let anybody tell you under otherwise. That place was calling him a cultural backbone, Okay. He's literally turning 24 in January, okay? He uh, is coming off of a season where he's hurt, yes. Hopefully, you know, all the, you know, structure or whatever and the knee is great and he's able to move around. I'm telling you, from those runs down in Miami and from training with Stanley Remy, he looked good. He looked hella good. I don't see why this dude isn't, one, I think you're going to have to want to pick him up in your fantasy team this year. And two, I just don't get why there's no quote unquote value in that. What? Why isn't there any value with that? Like, oh, there is. There is value. I mean, I think some some people. Would it's just a know, young like, player, though. Like, what are you going to get younger? Right. Because in, well, in a rebuild, like I, I just don't get that thinking. Like the the talk has been the Jazz just want picks. They want picks. They want picks. So what like, are you going to put out gonna... five first round picks as your starting lineup? <laughs> exactly. Like you're going to throw out a bunch of pieces of paper. Now, when it comes to marketing, I could see him as a guy. Maybe they say, you know, we could move him. That that makes a little more sense just because of the timeline. I get yes. that one. And and remember, Laurie cannot be traded. Well, he can be traded at any time, but he cannot be in a package with other players for 60 days. If, he's, it's a, if it's a trade that only includes him coming from Utah, he can be traded right now. But if you include him and another player from Utah, he cannot be dealt for 60 days or whatever it is now, 55 days, something like that. Yeah, so, but the, the flip thing made no sense to me because, I mean, you still have Mike Conley. You still have Rudy Gay, Malik Beasley. You have Jordan Clarkson, Bojan. How many of those, those do you guys. expect to be on the team, though, when the season starts? I'll expect to be on the team. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that Rudy will be there. I don't think that Clarkson will be there. I don't think Conley will be there. I and I uh, do not think see, that see, Bogdanovich Conley, I will. think no, Conley won't be there. I just I'm just for some reason I'm thinking that maybe they don't find a deal for him before training camp. Well, I think the one that might be there is Beasley. Um, right. And I'm not saying they're they're shopping all of them. They're shopping Mike Conley. They're shopping Bogdanovich, Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gay. I don't think Jared Vanderbilt can be had. It, there would have to be something super sweet for them to give up on a really good 23-year-old defensive player. So the mm-hmm. other guys are all on the block. And here's what I'm I'm thinking because it sounds like there's you know, there's been a lot of teams that have called about Clarkson. Um he's on a manageable deal. It's just over 13 million dollars. He has another year left on it's a player option and I think he's going to opt out. So you got one year left, okay, on him. Beasley, you know, he's got 15 and a half. He's got one year left, but it's a team option. You know, Bogdanovich is in his final year. Conley is tougher because he's what, 34 years old now. He makes 22 and a half million dollars. Next year, it's a little over 24. 
He does have a buyout for next year, but he still has $14 million guaranteed. So you're guaranteeing real money to Mike. And during the season, he was solid during the season, really good three-point shooter, actually a pretty decent defensive player, but he fell apart in the playoffs, and that's what everybody remembers. He had a really, really tough playoffs. And I think because of the money for next season, that is what Utah wants to get off on. That makes and, sense. Yeah. And, and to me, I mean, obviously the Lakers have been, you know, tied to Utah in a deal here for Russell Westbrook. Okay, so there's there's two things in factor here. Russ is, makes $47 million. So I mean, you got to give some real players. And the Jazz don't want to pay the tax. And they're only $1.7 million away from the tax. So they're not taking on a lot of extra money in any deal. It basically has to be dollar for dollar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that, and you know, everybody talks about Lakers and their two future first round picks that they can trade 27 pick, 29 pick. Okay. But to me, if you're going to include Conley in a deal with the Lakers, I think LA is sitting there going, you aren't getting both of them. If you want us to take Mike, then you get one because we're doing you a favor because he's got money on the books for next season. So I could see like Conley Bogdanovich day. And by the way, Rudy, he has a player option for next year as well for over $6 million. So that gets a little tricky as well, because now Utah gets off some money from next season. You know, Russ is on an expiring deal, but LA doesn't want to commit to a lot of money for next season. And they don't want to give up both of those future picks if they don't have to. So there's a lot of give and take in here and there going on. Now, I mean, if they, the only other way that they could structure a deal that included Russ without Mike Conley would literally have to be, and do it right now, so you can't include Mark in it, would be Bogdanovich, Beasley, and Clarkson. Now, is that something that Utah would do if LA said we'll give you both of those picks? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Could they could they get more if they do all three of those guys in separate deals? I don't know, and that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I have no clue. I I mean, the name you keep hearing is Bogdanovich, but you know he makes the most amount of money. He's at nineteen and a half, but he's on an expiring deal as well, and he's thirty three years old. Quite valuable, but he is valuable. He is mm-hmm. valuable. I mean, LA needs wings. They need shooting. None of these guys are exactly defensive masters. Let's put it that way. Um, so I, I, I think if LA is going to move Russ, it's going to be with Utah. The only other way would be is if they basically have something very close with Utah and they go back to the Pacers and say, Hey, we're willing to give you both picks. If you give us miles Turner and buddy healed, or we're willing to do this. Are you sure you don't want to do that deal? Cause if not, we're doing something with Utah. And if I'm Indy, I look at it too going, am I really going to make the playoffs this year? Am I going to make the play on playing this year or should I get something for those guys? And the question that I've always had too, when it comes to Turner, and this is not just in an evaluation of a potential deal with the Lakers is, do we want to keep him long-term? Because if that's the case, why haven't they signed him to a contract extension yet? This has been going on with him and, you know, trade rumors for close to three years now. But I don't understand why they haven't locked him up with an extension yet. What's going on there? And what is his value around the league? Because maybe Indy thinks, well, he alone's worth two firsts. And I think everybody else is going, no. 
And I think there's some people that even wonder, is he worth a first? So mm-hmm. there, there could be a, a wide range of evaluations on him. When it comes to Buddy, I think there's a lot of people that say, yeah, good shooter. But remember, this is a guy that's got another year left in his contract. And he's making you know around $20 million per year. So that's a big commitment. And he's not playing defense. What happens if you get none of these guys? What if you go into the season with the roster that the Lakers have? And, I mean, I guess this is a good segue into the Pat Bev press conference in a way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, you know, um, Patrick Beverly has a new best friend. His name is Russell Westbrook. and uh, Two peas I mean, in a pod. They are. And, and I will give those guys credit from the standpoint that, you know, the animosity between them is real or has been real. But they have, it sounds like they've spoken on the phone. Um, they've tried to hash some things out. Russ was there at the press conference for when uh, Beverly was introduced to the media, which was on Tuesday. And everything sounds, you know, like they're trying to make a go of it. They've kind of been laughing and, you know, you know, hanging out with each other and, you know, putting on their, their nice face and whatnot. And I mean, how much is that an act or not? I don't know. But I mean, they're saying and doing all the right things because they know there's a real chance we're going to be playing together and they don't want it to blow up, you know, and we'll see. I mean, Darvin Ham has said all the right things saying, uh, Russ has been great to work with this off season and I'm very happy if he's with this team and I've got plans for him in the lineup you know, with him and Patrick Beverly and him with other people. And he's got ideas for how to use them. So it, it still doesn't solve any of the problems the Lakers have when it comes to shooting and, uh, you know, playing defense in the wings. But, you know, you got to make do with what you got. And I'm still of the belief that Russ is going to be traded before the season. I think by the end of this week is going to be a real sign if that's going to happen. Um, and remember, LeBron's got a training camp coming up here. He always has his little preseason get-together. And, you know, he's – Russ is invited to that as of right now. It's not like he's not invited. Um, but I think if something's going to happen, it's going to happen fairly soon. I don't think we're going to wait till like, just a couple of days before the um, training camp officially starts. How excited are you to stop talking about Russell Westbrook? Oh, my God. I, just stop talking about him in a trade, especially. It's it's old. It's really, really old. And here's the thing I will say. I understand why Darvin Ham is saying what he's saying. He should. He absolutely should. He wants to believe it will work, and he can make it work, and it'll be a fit because he's a new face there. He has ideas. And plus, that's the only thing he can do. But as you and I have seen already, and many others, it's not going to work. It will not work with Russell Westbrook on this team. It will not. I'm not saying he's not a good player anymore. I'm not saying he can't contribute to a team. He is not a fit on this team being successful. If Russell Westbrook is on this team with the way it's constructed right now, that Laker team is no better than a 500 team. Even with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they would have to put up monster numbers and be incredible health, incredibly healthy and some of the other parts around would have to have career years shooting wise for it to work. And that's too many ifs, 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 ifs. Man, I feel like it's kind of turned into the Ben Simmons situation, just a little different. 
Yeah. There's always someone. There's always someone. Well, well, how about all the people like breaking down Russ Instagram videos like the Zapruder tape? Because, you know, he did one the other day where he's on a boat and he's singing along to a song and he's got, you know, he's not wearing a shirt and, you know, Russ is freaking jacked. And everybody's like, oh, I'm looking at the video and I can see in the background that the lake he's on is actually located in, oh, it's it's near Salt Lake City in Utah. Oh, does that mean he's going to the jazz? Mm. Oh, I'm like he's on a boat ride. I, mean, I, I don't actually know. Here, throw down throw down some bullet points from Pat Bev's press conference, and then that statement actually just made me pop back up into an idea into my head, uh, mm. something that I wanted to address. Okay, so I mean, Pat um, is really really excited to be a part of the Lakers, and he said it's it's different. Um, being in LA with this team because he's been with the Clippers, obviously, and you said, "Hey, it's different when you go out in public and you go down the street. It's totally different." Um, you know, being with the Lakers and the Clippers, there's certain expectations as well. You know, at one point during the press conference, he was sweating, and Russell threw him a towel, and he joked, "Hey, I got my first assist from Russ this year." <laughs> but he also did an interview with um, uh, Spectrum LA as well, and I can't remember who was asking the question, but. Someone said, hey, you're going to be playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And Pat Bev's response was, they're going to be playing with me. I made the playoffs last year. They didn't. It's a difference. Which I was like, I don't think anybody's going to take that personal. But at the same time, it's just like, ah, okay. He's not like It was a joke. He didn't say it as a joke, but I don't think anybody's going to take that personal. But I think that it's just, there's some people are going to be like, oh, but it's, that is just typical Pat Bev ultra confident guy that's what that is and like i said he and russ are doing everything and anything that they can to try to make it work or at least in front of cameras in front of everybody else but i la is still shopping russ i'm still looking to see if they're going to make a deal i the indie thing i think is far-fetched at this point i'm not saying that is dead i just think that's very far-fetched at this point Mind you, if I was Indy, whether it would be at the Lakers or somebody else, you're not going anywhere this year. I'd focus on my younger guys, and if I could get a pretty good package for Buddy and for Turner, whether combined or separate, I would do it. Or at least extend miles and try to trade Buddy. Um, Utah is the one we have to look at, though, because they're going to trade some of those pieces. I think they want to probably trade as many of them as possible now if they get a good return. But I think before the trade deadline, most of those guys are going to be gone. I think they would like to move them now, though, because they don't want to get off to too good of a start to the season. They want to try to focus on younger guys so they don't win too many games, basically. Sure. <laughs> you know, and it, I mean, you still got a lot of talent on that team. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, playoff team or anything like that, even with that full roster they have right now. But, I mean, they could win, you know, 30-some games possibly with that team, and I don't think they want to win 30 games. <laughs> I don't think they do either. Neither do the Spurs. Neither do, shoot, either of Utah or Indiana or San Antonio. None of them teams want to win any games. Like if, Especially let me ask since you Victor Wembanyama is, is measuring yeah. in at seven foot four without shoes. Oh, geez. If you're, if you're the Lakers, because remember, the whole thing is two. Okay, we'll trade both picks. If we believe that we are contenders this season, do you think a Buddy Heald-Miles Turner package 
makes them contenders this year? Uh, that West is loaded, man. <laughs> the West is loaded. Mm-hmm. And health pending. We know that Miles Turner doesn't usually have a clean bill of health. We know that LeBron's body is starting to show signs of not maintaining health. Right. We know what Anthony Davis's, you know, situation is since honestly, since he's been in the league. I can't say for sure. On paper, if they stay all healthy, then yeah, probably you're up there to that like second round Western final mix. But you're giving yourself a chance with LeBron and AD getting of those class if they're healthy. Oh yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. So let me turn to Utah. Is a Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, Rudy Gay. Let's throw that out because that works money-wise. Does that package make you a contender? Conley, Bogdanovich, and... Gay. Gay. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the Lakers fits the team more. It yeah, fits but, the team more just, just yeah. from a veteran standpoint, but just from an experienced standpoint in the postseason. Allows Thomas something that to I, get in the lineup. That, something I can't say that Buddy Heald and Miles Turner really have much of mm-hmm. compared to Conley and Gay and Bogey. Turner is more of a defensive... Guy's not a rebounder, but defensively blocking shots and things like that. Switching, very agile. But, you know, there's reports out of the, you know, say what you will right now, but when it comes to workouts that Thomas Bryant looks really good. Not that he's a defensive guy, but, you know, they got him in the offseason, and it sounds like he's probably back to 100% coming off of uh, the torn ACL. And it sounds like Austin Reeves has really um, looked better. You know, coming into his second season, he's put on about 15 pounds of muscle. And it sounds like he's been working on his three-point shot. Get on him. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, I'd I'd be looking at playoff experience there, I think. yeah, I I think I would take the playoff experience over the quote-unquote, you know, youth and I don't know. I I think playoff experience is really important. Would you give up two future first-round picks for that Utah package? Uh, there's uncertainty of what Le- LeBron's status is with the Lakers on a year by year basis. But you have man. LeBron James and you got him to commit. So that's a win now move. Then you end up like the 2018, 19 Cavs though. And if you don't win, then, then you're even more screwed. Here's one other thing too. I want to point out Bobby Marks brought this up and it's something I didn't even think of. And I hadn't heard before. Remember when it comes to putting protections on picks Mm-hmm. You can and also you can only trade first round picks up to seven years out, right? So you know when it comes to the twenty twenty seven pick, but especially the twenty twenty nine pick, like the Lakers can't really. The only protection they could put on that is, uh, say 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 they put a protection on it, right? They can't then say, oh, but you get a first round pick the following year if it doesn't convey in twenty nine. You can't do that. Because it's more than seven years out. The only thing they could do is say, you get our second round pick. So say they say, okay, that we'll trade you the 2029 pick and it's, you know, lottery protected. If it doesn't convey, like, then guess what? Poof, they just lose the pick. Like the Jazz or whoever got uh, traded for it would not get the pick. 
They would get nothing out of that. They, the only thing they can do, the protection out of it is, if you don't get the first round pick that year, uh, you get it. You get our second round pick. That's a big difference. It is. So that's why that pick basically, if it's included, almost has to be unprotected. Mm-hmm. You know, same with twenty seven. There's only so much you could do because I can't remember if they twenty twenty eight is a pick swap. I think it is. Or maybe maybe it's not, but you remember you can't you can't trade them and pick some back to back years. Yeah, I think that's what that is. So there's a lot that goes on there. So there's not much they can do protection wise unless you want to turn a first into a second. Now, if you want to say we'll trade you both picks, but the 2029 one is going to be have this protection, and then um, if it doesn't convey, then it turns into a second round pick. I mean. That's a big difference for whoever's getting that, but maybe that's a way LA tries to protect itself. In a I don't way. know. There's a, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a hot mess. It's tough to explain. Quite and it's not easy to gauge value, too. Right. Like, LA's trying to know. play this game. Do you mortgage of, the future, really, for like two years that you might win a championship? You went into business with LeBron James, and you knew this was coming. Yeah, I'm not but, saying it's right now, or not, but now it's like you've already won your championship, though. Yeah, but then that's, why are that's you? What, but that's what if I'm you want to go down that road, though, then why are you keeping LeBron? Why fair. didn't you trade him? No, that's fair. So that that's the way that I look at it sure. as well. So like you put yourself in this. So hey, and you screwed up the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Okay. You, we, you can go back, we can go back. We can go back to the old. We can go back to the old argument on Caruso. We can go back to the argument on. JaVale and Dwight Howard. We Why can did go you make back the then. Westbrook trade? Like, yeah, oh, there's we can, a, yep, we can there's do all that. There's a ton of different things that you can say sure. about what they did. But guess what? This is the position they're in now. And mm-hmm. LA is trying to do so many different things. Hey, we want to contend. We don't want to give up both of our future first-round picks. And we want to try to save cap space for next year. Sure. Why? Yeah, that one perplexes me. And... I get it in that they want to get off the rotation of paying a repeater tax and whatnot, and you could do that, but like trying to maximize cap space for next year. Guess what? LeBron's going into his 19th season already. I don't know how many more seasons you're going to have with him. You need to try to focus on the now, and the most cap space you can get anyway is about $30 million. Can you get somebody on the max? Yeah, a first max, but you're not going to get somebody like Say you wanted to pay Kyrie a max, okay? Because that's the guy that's always associated with him. Is Kyrie going to take $30 million a year when he can get 40 somewhere else? I don't know if anybody wants to really pay him that amount of money. But you're talking about there's certain players that can maximize it a lot more than $30 million. <sighs> and by the way, to go out and get another max player, it's dumb because we've already seen this. You have two stars. How about get good role players that also are you can use in future trades rather than trying to do this. Let's have three stars on max contracts and fill it around with uh, minimum salary guys. That's that's the LeBron plan, though. That's what they did in Miami too, right. originally. Uh huh. So I mean, there's a, there's a there's a lot going on there that LA is trying to do, and I'm just curious to see what they're going to do, what the what the answer is, and maybe it is as simple as, well. We're not doing anything right now because we don't like what's out there and we're going to move forward with Russ. Doesn't mean he doesn't get traded during the season, but maybe they will give it a go. Certainly looks like it. All right, I got one thing to rant on and then we'll get out of here, all right? Sure. Okay. Uh, So, kind of back to the Mitchell trade. I know where this is going. (laughs) 
<laughs> we have the New York Knicks faithful, and we have, you know, the national pundits all talking about how they missed out on another superstar. I'm not going to name names, but I did see something out there about how, oh, don't worry, we'll just move on to go and get the next disgruntled star. And rumblings are, out of Oklahoma City, that Shea Gilgis Alexander is that next name. Okay, where do I start here, Brian? Where do I start? Because I'm going to end up like the damn... The, the the red guy in in the movie Inside Out on the, the on the the guy <laughs> the, the the brain of the child. I'm just gonna have flames coming out of my head. Well, first of all, here's what I would say all, real quick though. This I'm not saying it's right. This is the world we live in, where it's always what's next when it comes to a superstar possibly changing teams. It's amazing. They like it more than the actual games. Yes. It's like it's it's fantasy. It's it's 2K. It's crazy. I, I oh, don't don't start me on this. So, yeah, so that tweet comes out. There will be another disgruntled player, don't you worry. And it's probably going to be Shea Gilgis Alexander. Meanwhile, Shea Gilgis Alexander just is starting his extension with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And in exit interviews, was talking about how much he and Sam Presti have had conversations about the future. Now, kind of sucks because Chet Holmgren's out for the season. Get that. Still got Josh Giddy, Still got Lou Dort. Still got Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Still got Darius Baisley. The whole crew still there. Hopefully, they're going to play. Hopefully, they're going to end up making strides. Hopefully, they don't sit. Shay at the second half of the season like they have the last two years. That's the hope. I get it. Yes, there's a chance he could end up being unhappy. There's a chance. But to run with it as fact and to put that out to your audience and to churn the wheels, churn the butter that we know as NBA Twitter to continue this, and just automatically assume that the Knicks are going to end up getting this guy. It's just complete BS. It's BS. We just got done with a trade. And the first thing we're talking about is, oh, okay, that didn't work out. Let's look at this guy. If you're in the media, it is simply irresponsible. It is irresponsible to do something like that. Now, if you put it in an opinion form, sure. Okay? It's still annoying, yeah. But to go out, talk about something that's not even relevant to your team, try and dissuade and put a stake in between a locker room that's young, that's hungry, a player who's hungry. And I'm sure the player doesn't care. Just like, oh, whatever, this is the media now. But this is the type of thing that is why players don't trust the media, is why players would rather use uninterrupted or use the Players' Tribune to get their own message out. It's because of bull crap like this. Not even paying attention to, I don't know, R.J. Barrett just signed a $120 million extension. 
Maybe you talk about your up-and-coming star. Maybe, just maybe, you can focus on Jalen Brunson, the guy they signed big time in free agency, who's trying to bring that city and that team up to another level. Maybe you can do a story on Quentin Grimes, somebody who they hold in very high regard. Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin. Pay attention to your own damn players, please. You're making up that people are unhappy in their markets because they're not in New York. Why? And it affect it affects our trust and our connection and relationship with the players. And this is exactly why the two guys that break the news constantly who do an excellent job of it, but it's exactly why those two are the only ones that agents, teams, and players trust. That's exactly why. I will say one other thing too, and this goes back to the Mitchell trade. And obviously he was heavily connected to the Knicks and they did not close the deal. They had a certain price tag that they were willing to go to, and the Cavs did not like that they did that. The Cavs wanted more from them, and it didn't happen. I think New York was right in putting a cap on it and not going above and beyond where they were at. Still... Remember what we kept talking about when it came to Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks going after them, even if they weren't going to be, you know, contenders this year, which they were not going to be. But it was all about New York finally got a star. They've been, you know, trying to get a star for a long, long time. And this is going to be the first step and hopefully it would attract other stars. So from that standpoint, you know, they missed out. I still am of the belief they did the right thing. There will be other stars. There will. That will be disgruntled, that become available. And on top of that, New York still has a huge amount of assets that they can use to try to land another star in the future. But that's what we look at, especially when it comes to the Knicks, because they have been so bad, because now they are in a position where they could make a move for a star, and they almost did. And it just didn't happen. They can, some people will say this looks bad on the Knicks and that they didn't go that extra mile in getting this guy and closing the deal. I would still say, I get that, but it doesn't mean they're not going to get the next guy. But that also is going to lead to rumor and conjecture, especially when it comes to the Knicks. I mean, they're one of the glamour franchises and we've been talking about them. How can you well, consider get, them a glamour franchise right Because now, they're though. in that market, because they're in New York City and people are always going to put that on a pedestal and it does not matter what sport you are in, it is New York City. And they've been good, tied good to them. superstars for 10 years now. We've we talked about them being the team that was going to get How many times Kevin have they Durant. landed those superstars, though? It's the same damn thing over and over. Well, I mean... Like, that's we, the only thing I'm talking about. We talked about KD going there. We wondered LeBron James is going to be there. Go there. Great, didn't go there. Great, didn't go there. Great, didn't go there. Yes, Great, exactly. didn't go there. But they're always going to be tied to who's the biggest and best name that's available. And it's but why the, do we even give it? Why do we even give it a damn? Why do we give it a grain of salt? 
because people have put that market on a pedestal, but we need to readjust hey, because fruition, they but- haven't gotten anybody in forever. You could sit here and say about, oh my yeah, God. But what, gets- what makes that they're going to get the next guy? Exactly. That's where I'm going to. I totally agree with you from that standpoint. People could sit there and go say, ah, oh, man, so-and-so's tied to the Lakers again. Well, guess, and you know what? Quite honestly, the Lakers have not signed a big name free agency, a free agent, except for LeBron. That's like the, the only guy that they've signed in like the last, you know what, 15 years? It's a big name free agent. Yeah. No, it, it really is. LeBron but they get tied to them because there are a lot of players that want to go there. But how many players do you hear say, I want to get to New York? There are going to be some. But, I mean, you know, there's been so many different problems there. And and I, res- I respect the Knicks franchise. Like, I don't want to say that this is disparaging New York. But, like, dude, like, you can link them to other teams. Like, I, it's just... Everybody wants the to Knicks talk about big market teams. That's that's all it is. But you know what? Just because somebody's in a big market doesn't mean that they're going to be the place that a superstar wants to go and especially is going to go because we've all seen the pitfalls that have come with the Knicks over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. We've, hey, the Lakers have won a championship within the last five years. But prior to that, they were stinking it up. And they got LeBron James. LeBron wanted to go there. If they weren't the Lakers, he would not have wanted to go there. Hey, there's two franchises in LA. Okay. He didn't want to go to the Clippers. Okay. But of course, there's that's the only reason. That's the only reason the Lakers are where they are is because they are the Lakers, because they are a glamour franchise. Sure. But but like again, like why do we pay? Why do fans pay any damn attention to any? Because people love rumors. Okay, but people love rumors, but they don't happen. Like it's the same reason why everybody wants to know. Like I don't know. It's the same reason everybody wants to know the gossip of CM Punk and what happened in a fight in the locker room, past their pay per view on uh, over the weekend. Okay, what happened? What do they do when it doesn't happen? Like what? What do they do when? Something doesn't happen. They That's the thing. The next that, thing that, that, yes, the they next move thing. on to the next thing. How many times do we see this? Oh, so-and-so is going to score. What other superstar is going to be traded? Oh, yeah. oh it, gets yeah. one, it, it is one thing for fans to wonder about. Like, that. how do you buy it if you're a fan? Like, Because I get I, yeah. my, my friends text me and they're in a group chat. They put this in there, and then I'm, I'm automatically the party pooper because I'm like, Okay, really think about this from a logical standpoint. Right. Like, well, What's your source on that? Is that, is that a a fan thing that they want, or is that something that there really is some teeth to? And that's a big difference. Right. Like certain reporters saying that Donovan Mitchell was sent to the Cavs because they wanted to punish him. (laughs) The stupidest thing ever. Lark Herman. I won't give any names, but. It's it's hysterical. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I, I get fired up over that. Just, I know just you like, do. It's one of your pet peeves. It's, it's dude, one of like, your like, but dude, like, are, are people not smart? That is the only thing I want to say. Like, are people not logical? Are people not smart? No, because they just want to talk no. about yeah. where where's the next superstar player going to go? I swear to God, and it didn't used to be like this, man. Well, there's a certain four-letter network that likes to blow things up as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, hey, there's another network that there's competitor. That yes. likes to blow that shit. They up. need they they need content to fill up their hours of programming. Mark my words, man. I and our website is going to be a part of the new wave, man, and we're gonna kick their asses. Like it's just crazy. Like I I just have no idea 
how our attention spans or how people's attention spans can be that small and be that, you know, gullible. That's the word, gullible. Well, that's why people spend all day on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Society's worse off. Oh, I totally agree with you there. That's my closing remark. (laughs) (laughs) Closing remark. Perfect. A hot, spicy episode of Keep It at 90. The downfall of civilization is social media, according to one (laughs) Spencer Davies. Yes, that, and that, right. that, that's, the, that's the name of the episode. A uh, special shout out to Sue Bird. Like I said, her career has come to an end after she came back to the storm this season. Uh, they fell to the Las Vegas Aces in game four last night. Uh, we are still de- figuring out who is going to end up in the finals against them between the Connecticut Sun and the Chicago Sky. Game five coming up here soon. Um and uh, yeah, so that's that's that. Uh, also, uh, on a serious note, um, deepest thoughts and sympathies to uh, Jonathan Tarks and his family. Um, he uh, is end up in the hospice. Um, just very sad news. Um, one of the best writers and personalities at the Ringer that have really been connected to basketball. Uh, so huge, huge uh, sympathies and, and our deepest thoughts are with uh, Mr. Tarks and his family um, as well. But, uh, yeah, that will wrap it up for Keeping It 94. You can find me and Brian on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Uh, of course, we've got other great podcasts for you to listen to. We've got The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy, the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, and, of course, the rematch with Aton Thomas. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to them, make sure you leave a rating, uh, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, yeah, we can uh, interact on Twitter, we can interact on Instagram, wherever you want to talk to us, please hit us up. But, send uh, us, otherwise, send Spencer your uh, your trades that you want to see happen. Yeah, all of them. I want all of the trade machine things coming my way. Please send them to me. It's my favorite thing. I'm going to work together a four-way and send it to you later, okay? In other news, in other news, uh, before we close, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes did defeat the Neuter Dame Firing Irish on Saturday. Old news, boring game. As predicted last week. Uh, So shout out to the Bucks. Um, We also have the NFL season kicking off. One tomorrow night. It's the Bills and the Rams. And then you have Sunday, which kicks off both of our seasons, Brian. So um, collectively, I will say go Browns and go Bears. Uh, but I don't, uh, yeah. I don't have a good feeling about the Bears season. But you are going to be in good hands with Justin Fields, my friend, as long so. as they protect him and keep him up right. Well, that's the problem. There is no <laughs> offensive line to protect him. Jacoby Brissett is my QB one. That's how we're ending this. Oh. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week.